Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network and Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. You can find us on anywhere you get your shows, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, by searching Backdoor Cut Show. You can also find us uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Monday nights. So, if you are listening on one of those ways or tuning in on our Periscope or YouTube channel, we really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging with us tonight. Uh, I am Zach. You can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. Uh, with me today, I have Mason and Rich, and we're going to talk through the playoffs. we got most of the slate set for the conference finals, so have one game outstanding that we got to wait and see on Tuesday what happens there. Um, and we'll talk some updates in the Grizzlies coaching staff. Uh, but Rich, we'll start with you. How you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Um, can't complain. Just was talking to y'all off air about how we kind of went from having no sports to everything all at once. So just been getting back integrated into, you know, watching a lot of games, watching a lot of sports and making sure I'm staying up to date. So uh, doing good for sure. How are you, Mason? I'm doing great, man. It's actually a perfect timing for all these sports with all the uh, smoke I have outside right now out here in Southern California. So uh, prayers up to everyone affected by the fires all over um, the West Coast. Um, shout out to the firemen who always who are you know out there battling these blazes. Uh, and I mean, this shit's crazy. <laughs> We've already like doubled the amount of acreage burned this year from last year and fire season's really just getting going uh, what's making me think about it is i'm looking at the sun and it's like orange like orange is red it looks crazy not like a normal sun it's like red, more red i guess slash pink um but yeah man great day of sports the braves took uh three out of four from the nationals two weeks left of the mlb that's crazy the season flew that's by it uh it i think it should always be like that it's been kind of fun um and then we had the nfl start thursday in the first full slate today um our titans play the late late game tomorrow night i think it starts like 9 30 central time but taking on the broncos um hopefully they can you know put on for tennessee expecting big things from my boy aj brown gonna need that in fantasy <laughs> yes sir <laughs> 
Yeah, man, I was telling you guys, I, I'll be honest with you, that 9.30 kick is going to be pretty late for me. Pretty much the only time that I am going to stay up to watch a game that late is if it's Grizzlies in the playoffs out on the West Coast. I'll make sure I see that, but I kind of got to pick and choose my battle, especially you get that late start on, on Monday, you get like behind the rest of the week. I'm showing my age here, but that's just my strategy of how I got to like pace pace myself. I feel you, man. Do what you got to do, dog. I'm to the point now where a couple of beers on a Sunday is like pushing it. It's like, ooh, hold on now. <laughs> All right, let's dive into some basketball. Today we had uh, game six of Clippers and Nuggets in the Western Conference semifinals. Uh, really, really surprising game. Nuggets went into halftime, think down 13 or 16, and then just second half totally took over and just stunned the Clippers, forcing a game seven. These Nuggets have been kind of pesky and, like, Strange, I think. Um, Mason, I know you saw a lot of that one. What are your take on it? Um, well, first of all, I need to apologize to the Nuggets. I thought they were going to be a boring playoff series in the first round. I thought they stood no chance against this Clippers team. Um, and that was based off basically what we saw last year in the playoffs. Um, this They are an example of a team who's taking their lumps. And now they seem to be learning from them. They're on the uh, precipice of being the first team ever to come back from two three to one deficits in the same playoffs, um, which I mean, that's unheard of. And just Jokic, the type of shots he makes in his shot making ability and his knack for making the big shot has been huge. Um, Murray, obviously, being able to score basically whenever Denver needs a bucket. And then Gary Harris coming back has really given them uh, you know, a kick in the ass and he, he can play good defense and he's knocking down threes. I know Millsap had the big uh, game five to kind of ignite them in the third quarter, but so disappointed in the Clippers, man. They're not nothing like the team they were last year who just played harder than you played with more energy and just came out ready to kick your ass no matter what. Um, you see it here and there from this version of the Clippers, but um, not all the time. Rich, how you feeling about this series? What's your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I think it's exposed a lot. Um, honestly, I think that this matchup has proven to be a problem for the Clippers. I think that Montrezl Harrell has significantly decreased the Ooh. amount of money he's going to get this summer. Um, he wasn't even the first big off the bench today. It was Jim Michael Green. Um, so it's clear that there's an issue there. Um, I think they're playing some of their worst basketball with him on the court, which is very telling. Um, they just seem to get down very easily. Um, it seems like when there's a run or things aren't going their way, there's just this dejected feeling. I don't know who that, that spark or that fire is. Um, I know, you know, that's not Kawhi's personality or even Paul George's to an extent, but it's just, it's just very telling because, you know, this is who we've heard from the onset of the year. Like this is being championship or bust. This roster was constructed to be (laughs) the champions, right? Um, and I think hats off to Denver for sure. I think you touched on Jokic's shot making and the, the one legged step backs or the high Dude. arc on his jumper. Like his, his game is just, it's crazy. Like it's, it's very rare to find a player like him. Uh, I was trying to think of a comp and I couldn't even come up with something. Um, Jamal Murray definitely came to play. Um, I think, you know, Gary Harris returning has been huge. Like they're doing all this without Will Barton who averaged double figures for them, mm-hmm. um, for sure. So, I mean, I think the future is very bright in Denver. Um, and I honestly think that 
you know, it's the Clippers' fault that they're in this position, uh, for sure. That's what the media will say. But also, hats off to Denver. You know, they've been playing their ass off. You know, it seems like they play very well with their backs against the wall, fighting for their life. Um, and if they pull out that game seven, man, you we're going to be hearing about that all summer. That will be in game. Yeah, I think you guys yeah, go ahead, made Zay. good points talking on the energy. That goes back to the first series against Dallas. Like yeah. when, after Luka had that huge game with the game-winning three, it honestly looked like the Clippers were just done. Like they were like, ah, we don't want to be here. Or like they were the favorite team the entire time, but they did not play like it. And then in this series, they're not playing like it. It's just a tale of two teams, really. Kawhi's been pretty consistent for the most part, but – you know, a lot of those guys that they've really counted on in the season have shown up to the to the extent that they really need to because this Nuggets team's serious. Like, they're not just coming in here to play around, make a you know cup of coffee appearance or anything. They're really here trying to get to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, to your point, Kawhi and Paul George have been pretty damn good this series. Um, but it's everyone else. It's Shamit. It's my boy, Lou Will. Um, you know, him, him, him and Trez, um, just have fallen off a cliff. Uh, Lou Will's actually been better on defense than offense in this series. Like if you can believe that, (laughs) um, Montrez has gone from being a 30 minute per game rotation, uh, heart of your team guy in the regular season to now he's, it's unplayable. He really is unplayable to me. Game seven is going to be telling for how the Clippers value, Trez going into this offseason. If he plays big minutes, then they're probably going to value him this offseason. If they say he might not see the court, it wouldn't be like a shocker for him to not see the court with how bad he's been in game seven. Um, So I think this is going to tell us how, you know, Doc Rivers feels about Trez moving forward. But like you, you guys said, he's definitely cost himself a bunch of money. He's terrible. The analytics are terrible when he's on the court. Um, The Clippers are just getting outscored by a million. Like, not no joke. It's like 100 points since he's been on the court in the playoffs. Um, Whereas, on the other hand, Zubak has been really good, kind of having a breakout series for the Clippers. But other than that, you know, no one else can make shots. Uh, The Morris twin here and there. Um, but other than that, and then like Kawhi just doesn't, we haven't seen him take over in some of these games when, uh, the snowball starts rolling downhill. We haven't seen him just stop passing and just get a bucket every time. Like you, you know, if it was, if it was LeBron James, people would be going at his head for something like this. Um, so just overall disappointed from the Clippers. Say that, say that, say that. I mean, and with all due respect to Kawhi, like he might be, he's probably the second best playoff player in the game right now. Um, But the Clippers, others, as Shaq would say, have got to step up in game seven, but it just looks like they look like a team with no heart. Uh, And we haven't even hit on uh, Michael Porter Jr. for the Nuggets coming off the bench. And he's someone who can give you 20 a night, had some big shots in this one. Of course, had the big comments. Uh, Zach, what did you think about MPJ basically uh, telling the coach that he needed the ball, except he told it to the media and not the coach or anyone in the locker room. Yeah, it was the most like aggressive, passive aggressive thing I've ever seen, probably from a, a comment. Like he, he essentially came out and said, uh, I didn't touch the ball in the second half, and that's why we lost, which the, the paper shows that that is true. It was pretty much a Murray Jokic show that second half, but 
Uh, he, you know, he's come out. He has hit some big shots since then. They've gotten him a little bit more involved in the offense. And at 21 years old, I mean, the guy has tons of potential. Obviously, he just really he looks like a basketball player. He carries himself like one out there on the court. The consistency is not there yet at this point. But obviously, I mean, you go up and down this roster. We literally just talked about an entire team that is inconsistent, and they're you know one of the top seeds in the in the whole entire West. So that's kind of the story. I think uh, of this series uh, from a lot of people and apparently they weren't too offended because they've gotten him involved and it's worked out in their favor and he's playing his butt off on defense. So he hasn't like checked out. I think that is a really key piece is that even though he was pissed off after that one game, it, he didn't just like pack it up and say, all right, I'm done with this. He buckled down, doubled down. And now he's trying to play as best he can on both sides of the ball, impact the game. Even if he's not getting the touches on offense, he's still impacting the game on defense. Yeah, and he had that big three and block uh, in the next game. But, Rich, what you, how do you feel about MPJ? So, I mean, yeah, it was just I think the, the, the Skittles or whatever he was eating during the thing, that's just what really set it off, like the little <laughs> snack. He was like just you know nibbling on. I think that really added to everything. And the little baby backpack too. Yeah. But it, it's you know I you know I respect the confidence, but you know definitely there are people who feel like those are locker room conversations. Those are things you talk about amongst your teammates with the coaching staff. Um, but you know I think that confidence is key um, when we talk about such a young player. Like the moment hasn't seemed too big for him. Even in that game where he hit the go ahead three, I think he was like one for three from the field at yeah. the time. Like to even have the the balls and audacity to shoot that shot, you know, you got to really have supreme contested. You have to have supreme confidence in yourself, and you need people like that on your team. So I think you know he 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 backed it up, and like Zach pointed to the defensive end as well with the block, like he's been busting his ass on defense. Um, and so yeah, I think you know he has definitely a bright future um, for sure as he continues to you know add things to his toolbox and ascend in the league. So my question to y'all is, if if the Clippers blow this series or if they don't win the championship this year is doc out is that it like i think doc would be like the first coach to like have multiple 3-1 losses like comeback losses in the series on his record that's a that's a good question um i think it i think it's i think it's you can make a valid argument i would be surprised if it happens since uh, these guys kind of came together to play for doc it seems like but if they want him out then he'll be gone so so it's up to Kawhi is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, I think as long like if Kawhi's there, like maybe shielding him or protecting him or saying like this is my guy, this is who I came here for, then he's probably safe. But you know, as soon as that flips, then Fizdale's out. I mean, sorry, what? Damn, Disrespectful <laughs> 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 to Doc. Fizdale. <laughs> no, I got one of them things. Granted, the Boston Celtics have lived off of that one ring, the 08 team, more than any other one ring winners in recent memory. Like, I'm so tired of hearing about that 08 yeah. ring, dog. Like, There's the tweet going around saying they have a one championship on color TV. Right, uh, like, 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 shut up. Like, uh, the, the Tish guys are going to be mad. Sorry, fellas. Uh, shout but, out to Andrew Perkins, man. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Doc, the, the concerns are valid. He 
when you hear players talk about some of the best teams that never won a championship, they throw out those Lob City Clippers, which I think is is couldn't be more off base. Um, but players think that team was really good, and they never made a conference finals. Um, continuously got upset by lesser teams. Then you know now if this team loses even before the conference finals, then the questions are valid on Doc Rivers. Not that he shouldn't be an NBA coach, but uh, you know, hey, <laughs> we're looking at the the track record. But again, he's getting to the playoffs. He got he got that team last year to the playoffs, so I, that also speaks something to his his credit. Yeah. So uh, but here we got to do predictions, right? Is that what you're getting to? No, we can. It's game seven. We got to make a prediction, <laughs> man. I, I I have to go. I'm gonna say Clippers. Kawhi and Paul George band together and just manhandle this thing. 60 points between the two of them. And we get the LA matchup that we've been waiting for. Where does the other 40 points come from? If they're playing, <laughs> if they're playing to a hundred. Somebody's got to have a breakout game. It's going to be Lou, it's Lou Will. He's been waiting in the, in the shadows. It's his game. I like so it. he's got it. He's got, 15 or 20 of those. So they just got to scramble together a few more. Oh, How about your Michael Green? I'll give him the rest of the points. <laughs> I love to hear the TV okay. announcers like <laughs> praise Jermichael Green all the time about stuff. For sure. Oh, man. I'm going to – as much as I loathe the Clippers, I do love Lemon Pepper Ludo. That's my guy. Fucks with Lou Heavy. Uh – And I want to see the Battle of L.A. I'm going Denver, though. I think Denver, I think Denver pulls the upset. I think PG doesn't show up for Kawhi when he needs him the most. Mm. Good. Okay. I'm with that, Ouch. too. And uh, I'm going Nuggets as well. I just think they, their back has been against the wall so many times already this postseason. Um, they are built for this. And the Clippers are not. So Denver and seven. We'll see Tuesday night. I, I don't know what time. Probably. Like I think it's play. after the Eastern Conference game one. So probably like eight Eastern. I mean, nine Eastern. Oh, good, good. Okay. Um, all right. What about the, the other series in the West, the Lakers Rockets? Zach, just kind of initial thoughts on um, the so, Lakers taking care of the Rockets in five games. So how weird is it that – the Memphis Grizzlies have been to a Western Conference Finals more recently than the Lakers. I just that seems like a, such a strange thing to say. It's fair. I mean, it's not gonna. Obviously, we are in a much different place at this point in time, but still very weird to think about. It, it is at any point. Yeah. In a minute. Anyway, yeah. That so. Sam came out real excited about the Rockets after uh, was it their game one performance. He said that you can't slow them down. They're going to bring other people to play their style of their style of play. Well, that didn't quite happen. So the Lakers took care of business like handily. It it didn't seem like there was that even much resistance from the Rockets. Um, in most of the games, they some of them they kept close, but. I'll pull some of these numbers that I looked at. So LeBron and Anthony Davis, they LeBron had an offensive rating of 116 defensive rating of one Oh three. 
Anthony Davis, 121 and 107. Anthony Davis just had his way with the Rockets pretty much. He shot 60% from the field. and Which just, makes sense, right? That uh, That's where that, the small ball really came and, and bit him. They weren't just weren't able to defend him at all, which you can't like – it's so much so hard to put a shorter defender on him just because he's so he's so athletic, he's so long, he's so tall. He and he played his game. He only attempted five threes in the entire series. So oh, wow. he wasn't pulled out of the paint to try to do anything that he's just not accustomed to doing anyway. And he hit two of those five anyway. So I mean he they really took care of business. Rondo showed up big, had thirty-five assists in this series. Uh, in the five games, so that was big for him. Uh, the Rockets tried some different things guarding Anthony Davis. So let's see, I've got P.J. Tucker. He guarded Anthony Davis for 30 minutes total, 103 possessions. In that time, Anthony Davis shot pretty much his average, 57% from the field, scored 44 points on him. They tried to use... Uh, Jeff Green and Harden on him, but pretty much the exact same result. So he just literally had his way, no resistance, rebounds. The Lakers completely out-rebounded him, which is what you would expect. And the Rockets just didn't shoot fire from three, which is what they needed to do. I thought they would win more than one game, honestly. I thought they'd at least like get hot twice in a series, but that didn't even happen. And it kind of just sputtered out, honestly. They it looked like they laid down towards the end, in my yeah. opinion. They, what do you guys think? Man, I think uh firstly, you know, shout out to Coach Vogel um uh, for coming through with some adjustments. I think after that game one loss, you know, um subbing JaVale and Dwight completely out of the rotation. Um this just wasn't the series for them. I think um Keith. Uh, twin, he really stepped up big in the series. His mobility, his shot making, um, as well as Rondo, who you know is infamously known for producing in the playoffs. That's just you know kind of been his mo. Um, and even you know staying ready, um, like Taylor Horton Tucker, who's the rookie who has been in the G League all year, was playing meaningful minutes for them in games four and five, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So just you know, top down, I think you know AD. There's nobody on that Rockets team that could guard him. Um, and I just don't I just don't believe in the brand of basketball that the Houston Rockets play. I don't think it's sustainable um, through a seven game series um, if those shots aren't falling. Um, Russ and James, I don't know about that partnership, that pairing. Um, Russ just kind of oftentimes look like he's running laps out there uh, with his head cut off. It's just not it's not fun to watch. It doesn't look like basketball. Uh, I want to give another shout out to Daniel House for, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah. needing needing his needing his time in the bubble um with a special somebody um and not being able to hold out so thank you daniel for you know taking away another shooter from the rockets uh to help the lakers get that dub um i hope you're doing well wherever you are um and yeah i just think you know at the end of the day caruso stepped up um and lebron was just i mean it's it's, it's becoming so old to say lebron was lebron but like this is just insane to be still playing at this level <laughs> at his age and what he's still doing, completely controlling this game. Um, and yeah, wherever we go, like next, you know, they're going to really need 
a monster series from Anthony Davis, and they're going to need those others, as, as we say, um, to really continue consistently making shots like KCP, Kuzma, um, and so forth, to just hit the open threes, like knock down shots when they're when your number's called and, you know, let AD and Braun rock. Yeah, and Danny Green seemed to kind of find his stroke there in game five uh, when the game was already wrapped up. So if he can hit shots and Rondo can even be a threat from out there, um, then the, that makes the Lakers a whole different team. I think LeBron and AD were the first teammates since 1961 to average 25 and 10 in a playoff series. Um, and the, the wow. thing is that LeBron and AD, they play small ball, like or they can play small ball. So small ball doesn't work against them. Uh, it might it might work if the matchups work out differently, but it doesn't work against, you know, a guy who can play point guard and a guy who can play power forward, I guess, in Anthony Davis. But he can play on the perimeter. So those guys are small ball capable like they come with those capabilities to play small ball to run up and down to spread out to guard whoever um so it just tough matchup for the rockets um as a westbrook fan i hated to see him like that uh you know one thing about russ is he always plays hard but another thing about russ is sometimes that leads to a bunch of damn turnovers (laughs) and um he, out of the two with him and Harden, I felt like he played with more force on the game. Even in game five, Harden had 30, but he didn't feel those 30 points. Um, a lot of his, in, in game four, he scored like 18 points from the free throw line. He was 2-11 from the field. You can't you can't win a game when your best player is 2-11 of 11 from the field, um, especially in the playoffs. So, I, yeah, I don't know how that fit works moving forward. Um, it was announced today that Mike D'Antoni will not be back to coach the Rockets. Uh, his contract is up. Um, so, I guess, you know, mutually agreeing to part ways. And it'll be interesting to see who they hire with their, um, you know, who they put as their head coach and then how they decide to move forward. They have talent. They need some type of size. Um but anyways, they go on fishing. Back to the Lakers. What impressed me about them is their just versatility. We 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 saw them beat Portland with Dwight and JaVale playing big minutes. And then those guys are out of the rotation in this series. And they're still able to win. And they don't lose their defensive uh, impact. They're one of the best defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the league. And it showed by they stopped the hottest team in the bubble in Portland and then the most explosive team in the NBA in Houston. Just uh, it doesn't matter who they play Denver or the Clippers, that defense is going to show up. Now, if they can score, you know, a hundred points to win some of those games that remains to be seen, but the Lakers defense is for real. And that makes them, you know, probably my favorite current favorite to win the title. Yeah, and no, I think there's definitely a lot of validity to that. And they're such a versatile team, experienced team too, really. Like they got obviously probably the best leader in the league. Plus, you know, Anthony Davis has been in playoff situations before. A lot of those guys have. So I don't think it's going out on a limb too much to say that that's definitely someone that can be favored. And yeah, impressed with Vogel. Don't really know that much about him beforehand, but, you know, he seems to be making smart moves, making adjustments, which uh, we could segue over to the East 
and kind of talk about a team that maybe didn't make as many adjustments uh, in Milwaukee, dropping their series to four-one. Uh, oh, shit! <laughs> well, upset time. One of the the best. Terrible. The best record in the NBA through the regular season, but get them in the playoffs. Uh, that did not work out. They ran into a buzzsaw. Now, I think to me, this Miami team is so far in the playoffs been the most fun team for me to watch. Uh, you talk about a team that's got that's firing on all cylinders right now with five guys averaging in double figures, shooting the lights out of the ball. They have a 115 offensive rating right now, which if this was the regular season, or th- that's through the playoffs, that would be the best in the league. Or no, that would be second best in the league if this were the regular season. So they're just – they're really one of those teams that's peaking at the right time. And the roster construction for them is so impressive. Kind of like Pat Riley's achieved what Daryl Morey wanted to achieve in Houston. I think he's gone. He's gotten several really under the radar guys like Duncan Robinson. Ty Hero's not necessarily under the radar, but kind of like a mid, mid first round guy who are, making huge splashes in the playoffs, getting guy like Jay Crowder, who, dude, Jay is destroying. He, shot, <laughs> he, he led the series in three-point makes, and he shot, uh, where is it? I wrote it down, 43% from three, and he made 22 threes in five games. Yeah, oh, uh, brick man doesn't turn back into boss man down <laughs> on South Beach. Hey, he was putting on a show for us. He was just getting warmed up. But, I mean, you can't underplay that veteran presence. Plus, the way he's peaking right now, that is really going to bode well for them um, as they go up against the Celtics in the next round. But, what are, uh, Mason, we'll start with you. What are some things that you saw from that Miami-Milwaukee series that stuck out to you? Well, uh, while we're talking about Crowder, his defense on Giannis was great. Um, it's just – Giannis uh, was faced with Crowder, Iggy, uh, Bam was waiting for him in the paint. And it just seemed like the Bucks had a lack of playmaking. Their offense was stagnant with Giannis, um, and they never changed. And this is the second playoff series in a or second, I guess, playoff elimination series in a row uh, where they haven't made a lot of changes. So, Coach Bud could be on the hot seat. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see, especially after Giannis apparently met with team owners. What was that today or yesterday? And, um, and then after the meeting, uh, unfollowed the Bucks and all of his teammates on Instagram. So yep, things things are great in Milwaukee. Uh, let's just stop and talk about that for a second. Do y'all think that bears any importance into? You know, because we had Giannis saying, you know, I, I'm staying in Milwaukee. Some people see a wall and go around it. I'm going to plow through it. Uh, Rich, do, does this Twitter or Instagram unfollowing spree do anything to make you think that those words might have been meaningless? I mean, we're we're going to always say the right things in, in public, <laughs> right? Um, but, I mean, it was just a very telling series. I think that just did not look like the number one seed or the, the top win total team in the NBA. Um, I think they super made a mistake basically choosing Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon. I think they yeah. really missed Brogdon's playmaking and ability to create off the dribble. 
in the series. And also they've, you know, given their roster construction, they made some kind of interesting financial decisions, such as tying up money in Robin Lopez and Ursan Ilyasova, who couldn't even get off the bench in this series. Like they're making like 12, 14 mil between them. Um, yeah. Margo Williams played over them and he just walked right. into retirement. <laughs> right. So that's crazy. Um, that's very telling. Um, it's a complete opposite of Miami's roster construction. Um, you know, <clears throat> Miami just looked sharp. They looked great, you know, super happy for Jay and solo. Um, you know, Iggy needs a haircut, you know, uh, just, just let it go, dog. It looks terrible. Um, we still don't like you. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, Giannis, first and foremost, I think coach Bud might be getting exposed a little bit. Like you can't be that stubborn. Like if something's not working, dog, you got to change it. Um, you've had all this regular season success uh, with Atlanta and Milwaukee. Yeah. With no postseason success to show for it. I think Giannis has to also get in the gym a little bit and add some tools to his offensive toolbox, to his repertoire. Like, you know, yes, he's going to, for the most part of his career, probably be bigger and stronger than everybody. But when you got to go get a bucket, you have to have some tools and some go-tos where you can get to the cup or, you know, create off the dribble to, to score for your team. Um, it's not just always going to be drive, drive, spin, dunk. Um, and so I just don't, don't know, uh, Chris Middleton, not sure if, if he wants those big lights, if he wants that, that smoke, uh, he, he stepped up in that final closeout game. He did show me something, uh, when he could have laid down, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think, I think Giannis might be out of there if not, you know, next, next year. Um, honestly, I don't know if Giannis is the one on the team. He might need to team up with somebody. Which is it's crazy to like think that for probably a two time you know back to back MVP, but like you said, I mean he was three of fourteen from three, and Miami in, clearly had a in the series in the series, so he they clearly had a scheme, you know it's been t- coined as the wall, and that worked. Other guys didn't hit shots. And no one, everyone was just stagnant, standing around, you know, looking to see who was going to step up and make a play because all year their game has been predicated on Giannis driving, getting to the rim at will, dishing out to Brooke Lopez or Middleton for the shot. And without that first part of Giannis being able to get to the rim as pretty much the primary ball handler, their whole offense was just done. Like there was just – they didn't know how to react from that. And I think that was pretty telling. It could end up in a situation where, I mean, if you're the owners, you have to focus everything you do, all your moves around Giannis. So it could be a situation where he's like, I need these certain people and this is who I want to coach the team. Like you see all over the league, but it's something that the ownership needs to probably take a look at. Uh, Cause right now, it's a weird roster and you kind of wonder how they won that many games, like how they were that good in the regular season, I guess, just off sure sheer, like will from Giannis and, you know, Lopez having a pretty good year, you know, developing a little bit still, even in his old age. Um, but to make it in the playoffs when you're going against elite level coaches like Spo guys who have been there before title winners who you know, they've earned their stripes. They know how to react, how to adjust their game from game to game, from timeout to timeout. And you're not playing against, like, rookie coaches most of the time. It kind of shows a glaring weakness. So we'll see what 
what happens with Bud and and Giannis down the road. Yeah, well, I mean, and Giannis is like what twenty five and in the best shape of his life. So in the regular season, there's no slowing him down. He's going and going, and teams aren't just game planning meticulously to stop him uh, as they are in the playoffs. But I, I just wonder if he sees enough potential in the internal development of like DiVincenzo, Connaughton, uh, uh, DJ Wilson, some of those guys to think that, you know, we can get better um, and actually make a run at it once we have some cohesiveness and some consistency um, to our team. You know, the, the thing that hurts them is that Eric Bledsoe contract, like you mentioned, Rich. Um, he's a solid player, but by no means is he a good starting point guard, um, especially for a playoff team. Right. Hey, man, shout out to Rich Paul. Rich Paul the GOAT. He gets yeah. his dues paid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bledsoe would be – I would love to have Bledsoe coming off the bench for a couple million, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it is what it is. Um, but back to the heat, uh, Bam continued to show that he can – do it all and he is now shooting jumpers especially clutch jumpers from the free throw line when nothing else is open uh, bam you know the heat uh, J- jimmy butler gets a lot of the attention but he likes to deflect it to bam and uh uh swaggy t uh t- tyler big shot hero swaggy t and i mean that dude hit some huge shots like i'm so surprised we didn't see the sam cassell big balls dance from number 14 after some of those shots as a rookie um you know just first of all being in the game and then just stepping up and knocking down those big shots um shouts out to the heat man what they've done is really impressive they are now the the darlings of the bubble it was uh, the bubble suns and then it was dame and now i think i think the heat are the darlings and um you know was, they're fun to watch like you said zach and really they left no doubt in this series with, with milwaukee and now they go on to face the winner of the other semis in the east uh they face the celtics who overcame the raptors in game seven uh zach your thoughts on on that series now that has probably that's been the most fun series to me so i think miami right now they're my darling they're the most fun team to watch but the celtics raptors gets the nod for most fun series at this point some crazy games got a double overtime game uh and a newbie hitting a, a touch three with half a second left to win the game kyle lowry coming out playing like 50 something minutes at like 37 years old or whatever he is. Not that old, I know, but <laughs> like in his 30s, just playing his heart out. Tatum playing an excellent series. Marcus Smart playing like very well for Boston. Might be one of the underrated or maybe undernoticed uh, guys on that team still somehow. And everyone wants to point at Kimba. He had a couple. He had some weird games where he didn't really perform up to par, where he still drew a lot of attention away from the Raptors on the offensive side of the floor or when the Raptors are on defense. But Smart actually led Boston in three-point shot and three-point makes in this series, which that is not part of his game normally that he's known for. He's known as being that dog on defense, can guard, multiple positions, almost all the positions he'll be assigned to at some point or another. But he hit 
24 threes, shot 39% from three-point range uh, in that series. So kind of a under-the-radar guy. Put up good counting stats, but so much of what he does doesn't end up in the box score. Like helping to hold Pascal Siakam to 12% from three. If I had to point to one major reason why Toronto did not win a series, it's because Siakam was the like seventh leading scorer between the two teams. And for someone you were really hoping to make a leap and was in the conversation for most approved player, that really hurts. How you feeling, Rich? Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh, the same. I, you know, it was a very, very good series. Um, enjoyable games. Um, pretty talented rosters both ways. Um, but, yeah, the Celtics, they just stepped up um, in that crunch time. Um, game seven, Marcus Smart with an unbelievable block uh, on Norman Powell, which could have tied the game, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as a as a lifelong Laker fan, you know, Boston has always been our top nemesis, top arch rival. But, man, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two of my favorite young players in the league today. Uh, I love watching them play. I love those wings. Um, and I just think Boston, they they play really well. They got some key moments from Robert Williams and Grant Williams and just those, those interchangeable bigs that they utilized um, as well. Um, but, you know, Toronto – they, I mean, they, they played their hearts out. I mean, you mentioned Siakam struggling. I think they weren't, you know, coming in expecting that, but he really struggled. Um, I think Kyle and Van Vliet and Norman Powell to an extent um, really helped. And Anobi uh, kind of showed up a little bit. Did, not really in game seven, but he really had a really strong series outside of that. Um, but they have some interesting roster decisions coming up this summer with free agency as far as Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol are concerned. So it'll be interesting what that, that roster construction looks like next year, moving forward in Toronto. Um, but definitely excited to see Boston versus Miami because those are going to be two, you know, talented teams with two sharp coaches who are going to be coming and they're going to be ready for war. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Let's uh, pour one out for Marcus Gasol Cause that was, that was rough. Um, you know, going to be interesting to see where he ends up next year. Uh, I can't imagine the Raptors bring him back. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how much money he'll he'll be worth on the market. Um, maybe a minimum deal. Maybe he goes and joins a contender. It doesn't really seem like Mark, but who knows? Um, the the coaching matchup in that series, the Raptors and Celtics, was just genius. I mean, from the boxing one to on Kemba to slow him down and just kind of take the Celtics offense out of their rhythm um, to, you know, the last second uh, Nick nurse still in a play from Brad Stevens to try to win the game. And one of them uh, just, it, it was a great coaching and it was great to see teams making adjustments um, that will continue with the Celtics and heat Spo also a great coach and not afraid to try some wonky shit. Uh, but what, what really from the Raptors Celtics series, uh, Tatum was a star and like he solidified himself as a star in the NBA and obviously Siakam was not. Um, but yeah, going back, going forward, the heat and Celtics, um, uh, I, I really don't know which team will win this series. The heat played more zone than any team in the NBA throughout the regular season. They haven't played any zone in the playoffs. 
Um, but we did see Boston struggle with the zone against Toronto. Just initial thoughts on this series is that it should be a freaking dogfight, man. And I hope it goes seven games. I think the Celtics are probably a little more talented, but the Heat, I don't, I'm going to go Celtics in seven, but I, I'm rooting for the Heat. I, I think that if I had to put pen to paper, I would have Miami in seven, partly because they're getting a little more rest because they only had to play five games as opposed to a full seven-game series, uh, giving them a little bit of time. But I could also go against them because they were super on fire. So you can have – there's definitely something that's too much of a break, and that could come back to bite you as well. Uh, but I, I'm going to take Miami in seven on this one. Celtics in seven. Ooh, that hurt him. That hurt him to say. He couldn't even look at the camera and say it. Oh, man. That was painful. <laughs> now, he just wants an old-school rematch. That would be good for all of us. Man, 2010, bring it back. Let's go. Let's go. That'd be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. um, anything else y'all want to hit on on the playoffs before we talk? hit on a couple Grizzlies notes? I think we got it. Uh, well, the Grizzlies hired two assistant coaches. Um, to fill the shoes of Coach Ivy, who left to go to her alma mater, Notre Dame, as the head coach, and Nevin Spahia, who took a, a job overseas somewhere. A lot hasn't been reported until today. Um, but replacing them will be Sonia Ramon from MIT, uh, the MIT women's basketball coach for the past several years. She was a player in college. Um, I, don't, I don't really know a lot about her, but they say she's a great basketball mind. And, um, you know, being at MIT, obviously they're not going to deal with anyone who is not. Um, she took them to the NCAA tournament a couple times and seem, seems to be like a solid coach. I don't know a lot about her. And then today news broke from Woj that we hired Darko Rajakovic, uh, from, who had been with the Phoenix Suns the past year had spent several years with the Thunder from 2014 to 2019 as an assistant. Um, before that, he was the first non-American born head coach in G League history for the Tulsa 66ers. And he's currently uh, assistant coach on the Serbian national team, which is his home country. Um, so, I mean, that's a pretty damn good team. They got Jokic, uh, Bogey from Sacramento, Bajelica, uh, Boban and our very own Marco Gadurik. So uh, maybe oh. he's the Marco Whisperer. <laughs> oh, good. That is a, <laughs> a terribly <laughs> failed experiment. <laughs> hey, well, maybe he can yeah. fix it, you know? Yeah. I like it. I mean, I, I saw the, the MIT coach. She's also a lawyer. Like, she has her JD and stuff. So I know she yeah. must be a brilliant mind uh, who will probably add a lot to the locker room. And I didn't know much about the other coach either, but I saw some news on Twitter, like some Suns fans, which Suns fans were just talking like, yo, like as a Phoenix fan, this one hurts. Like this is going to be a tough loss. I was like, he must have, you know, been doing some good work out there. Um, he's going to be missed. So looking forward to having them both on board. One thing I did learn about these coaches. So Sonia went to Tufts. I don't know if it's college or university, uh, but their mascot is the Jumbos. So <laughs> Jumbo the elephant is their mascot. Well, and not then, uh, basketball relevant, but I thought that was an interesting uh, 
tidbit for our listeners out there. And then I think MIT is the engineers. So <laughs> I know what's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the Grizzlies have two new coaches. That's exciting. Uh, we have no idea when next season will start or training camp or anything like that. Uh, but, Zach, you brought up something the other day that I wanted to kind of close out on. Uh, the idea of next season being played not in a bubble, but with teams playing more baseball like series um, instead of just one game in another market and moving on. So what, what are your initial thoughts, Zach? And then we'll go to you, Rich, uh, just on the potential of NBA teams playing, you know, three to four game series, maybe maybe two games. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was anyone like NBA related proposed this on Twitter. Uh, but like you said, you would play more like regional series. So you've got your teams in your division that you play four times every year. So you could, in theory, play uh, – you could save on a lot of travel, you know, hence taking down some of the risk of, you know, spreading the coronavirus or catching it in a different city. Uh, you would maybe play a series on like Thursday, Saturday, maybe even back-to-back. Friday, Sunday, something like that. So you like say Dallas comes to town and we just play them twice in a week. And that's like part of our slate. Uh, Similar to how baseball, most series, they go to a city, play at least three, usually three or four games, kind of depending if it's midweek or if it's a weekend series. But I kind of thought that was pretty interesting because it could potentially give the chance to build some more rivalries, I think. Uh, I'm just thinking from like a Memphis standpoint, if you have someone here, something crazy happens one night, you know, there's some smack talked or you have like a really epic game in the first of the series and you get to immediately turn around and try to avenge what happened or build on that momentum that you have. Uh, I thought that would be kind of interesting instead of teams going all over the country and kind of breaking down that a little bit. We see it every so often where teams will play back-to-back games in each other's hometowns. I think we had that with the Spurs this year and maybe Charlotte. And you always kind of scratch your head at that and think that's kind of like a weird quirk in the schedule. But I wouldn't be opposed to kind of that being planned in. It's kind of reminds me a little bit also of like, college football or basketball where a lot of schools are like oh this is Alabama week so they're like mentally preparing all week to face off in the big game so it could be for us to be like ah it's New Orleans week like we get to see Zion twice here in the same weekend I think that would be something that was pretty cool pretty special you can kind of block off some time and like really focus on it Um, what, what do you think about that concept Rich? Yeah, um, I mean, I I hadn't given that any thought, but I think that's a cool idea. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm such a creature of habit. Um, I love the normalcy, but I don't think in the current times we're ever going to have any habits anytime soon. Um, so I think in these times you have to be creative and you have to be flexible. Um, so in hearing that, I mean, it makes sense, right? Cutting down travel, cutting down cross country. Um, just back and forth uh, for teams, players, and, you know, their families who would be put at risk um, with them traveling. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I think it'll give it a more collegiate feel too, like you mentioned, yeah. um, that, that, that whole like rivalry, uh, homecoming week-esque vibes, if you will. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm all for whatever can be the most safe outcome for all parties involved. Um, so I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. It sounds pretty cool. Um, interesting to see how that would be pulled off. Um, but with this league office and with the commissioner, I think, you know, they're all ears and they can make anything happen. So looking forward to seeing what they do come up with. Yeah, I, I think it could work if it was maybe three or four games a week. Um, and like you just knock every it like say we were going to stay at somewhere near 82 games or maybe like 66 and you don't play one division in the Eastern Conference, but you just get your games against that team out of the way. And that's it for the season. Um, and you still do some, you know, the round robin of the NBA schedule or maybe mini bubbles could work um, like you take four Western Conference teams and four Eastern Conference teams, and they go to Orlando. Some go somewhere in California, maybe Texas, maybe Chicago. I don't know. But, like, if it was us, the Hawks, Hornets, Magic, um, Heat, and then the rest of our division. So, and we all went down to Orlando, like, and we, we you didn't play the series, but you just played the same teams over and over again to – whatever amount of games that the league wants to get to that could work. Have no idea uh, what next season will look like. (laughs) Like it it could be anything, but at this point, if fans are not going to be allowed and if it's not going to be a normal 82 game season, I would like to see them shake it up and just get innovative and try something new. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, Those of us who love the game and, you know, just even casual NBA fans probably won't even notice. <laughs> like the casual fans are just like, oh, this game's on tonight. Like, who knows? Like, yeah. okay, cool. Um, whereas we are the more likely group to criticize it. But I don't care what they do next season as long as they find a way for, uh, you know, the guys to safely play. Yep, I have to agree with you there. Uh, anything else, guys? No, man. Go Titans tomorrow night. Shout out to Dash Radio. Nothing but net channel. Yeah, you can, again, this is the Backdoor Cut Show. You can find us wherever you listen to your audio, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can catch us also on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And until next time, see you later. Peace.